Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. And on the line with us right now, intrepid investigative reporter extraordinaire John Solomon. That's John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, we've got so much breaking news. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start across the globe in uh, Russia, where over the overnight there was a report that the uh, main pipeline that Russia uses to feed Europe with gas was sabotaged. Russia is blaming the United States. The United States, at least uh, anonymously, uh, U.S. intelligence officials are saying they believe Putin sabotaged it himself. But it's resulted in an emergency request for a U.N. Security Council meeting, probably a sign that this uh, strife and war in Eastern Europe is about to escalate in a very dangerous way. A lot of the intelligence people I'm talking to in the last 24 hours think this is the most perilous moment of the seven month war. Uh, Putin backed into a corner talking about using nukes, now accusing the United States of sabotaging a pipeline. He may have sabotaged himself. A lot of people in the intelligence world are watching this with red alert fashion. They're very, very concerned about it. Closer now, to home, also Trump, I just, while we stay on that subject, Trump yeah. also put out a, you know, a, not a tweet, but on his Truth Social and talking about how he's offering up his his help to try to broker some sort of peace deal. He said U.S. leadership should remain cool, calm and dry on the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. What do you know about that? Well, listen, I, I think what the, the former president is saying is something that a lot of intelligence people said. In fact, his former chief of staff to the National Security Council, Fred Flights, one of the real experts in the intelligence community, very well respected on all sides of the aisle, says that Biden needs to find an off ramp for Putin, allow him to find some way to save face and get out of this war, or you you may have a megalomaniac cornered in a and corner and he may act out in a way that could be very I dangerous. Sp- I spoke to Donald Trump this morning and uh, he wants to broker that deal. And he, he does. Putin respects his, I think Putin, Putin respects his opinion and he feels that he can broker a deal. And uh, Donald Trump also said to John yesterday, I don't know if you heard the show, John interviewed him. He said that what keeps him up at night is he's worried that there could be a World War Three, which was very interesting that he said that to John. And then just a few hours later, we hear about this news about the Nord Stream pipeline. It's just a, quite the coincidence there. It's pretty crazy. Well, listen, I think the, the one thing about Donald Trump, he's very instinctual. He has good instincts, right? He has that sixth sense sort of thing. And I think what he is saying aloud is what a lot of the intelligence analysts I'm talking to privately are saying. This is a tinder dry forest and one spark is all it will take to take us into a much more dangerous part. And so I think a lot of people worried about it. Uh, they're looking for some someone to step to the plate, Macron. Biden, somebody step to the plate and try to find a negotiated solution before this gets out there. But in, if anyone you talk to intelligence community say that's all they want to talk about, Russia, Russia, Russia. They're very concerned about this moment in history. Closer to home, uh, the big hurricane has finally made landfall in Florida. Not a concern about that. Category five, lots of power, lots of wind, lots of rain. And uh, every governor in Florida is always judged by how they handle the hurricanes that routinely come through their state. But this governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, obviously a lot of people think he has national ambitions. So the entire nation is watching. How does Governor DeSantis handle the first big hurricane crisis of his governorship? Uh, A lot of eyes on that. And then closer to home, um, uh, even closer here in Washington, uh, Joe Biden had a very awkward moment today. Extremely awkward moment. He was out of speech and he kept calling for a deceased congresswoman. Jackie Walorski died in a car crash about eight weeks ago in a tragic car crash. He was out there calling her, asking where she was, hoping to see her. 
Uh, it could not have been more awkward, and uh, except the White House press secretary managed to find a way to make it even more awkward, actually suggesting that and, and Biden intended to be that way. He had the Congresswoman Jackie Walorski on the top of his mind, she said, and um, it, it was not a very believable explanation, but it was one of those moments that um, even the left said, oh, my God, this is a really bad moment for Joe Biden. Uh, we never want to see our president in that state. It was very, very awkward, confused. very clear he was confused. It was very bad. Uh, uh, John, um, uh, you got the U.K. Uh, more of a right uh, situation. Uh, yes. Italy is moving right. Um the, there was a little bit of panic in the air uh, uh, from our uh, uh, European community uh, president, or whatever her title is. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, uh, where are we now? Where do you think? You know, I've been talking to a lot of people about this over the last couple of days. And uh, to the T, what, what people are saying is what you see with Liv Truss, Liz Truss, what you see with the new Italian prime minister, what you've seen already occur in Poland, Czechoslovakia, some other places, is a uh, boomerang to the very left policies that the European Union have pursued under Germany and France and their leadership for the last 20 years. The assessment of many of the experts is that many of these countries are beginning to tire. They don't see the progressive, they don't see the progress that was promised under a progressive agenda of the European Union. They see themselves short on energy. They see themselves with increasing inflation. Access to food is becoming more difficult. Crime and terrorism is more uh, prevalent with the open borders uh, agreements that a lot of the EU did. And so we saw Britain break out on Brexit. Now there's a fear that maybe Italy and other countries might be thinking of the same thing. But to the T, the experts I talked to are all saying the, re the election in Italy, the election in Great Britain, what's going on in Poland and Czechoslovakia, Hungary in recent months, all a reaction. Europe is beginning to tire of the more progressive far left policies that the EU has tried to create. You always tried to create a utopia. It turns out that a lot of people don't feel they've got the benefit of that. And these re uh, elections are a reaction to that is what the experts are saying. Absolutely. Uh, the people of Europe are suffering. They're suffering uh, from uh, the de devaluation of the euro. You think the dollar is devalued? Look at the euro. I mean, it's uh, in the crapper. And uh, uh, the uh, cost of food, the cost of gasoline, uh, they're gonna, they might not have enough heat. I mean, everything that the left-wing governments, I mean, what happened in Germany, in, in France, has has made the European community uh, second second class. Yeah, I think that's a growing sentiment in multiple countries, and I, I think the great EU experiment is at a very important stage, a critical stage, as these countries decide, do they really get the benefit of the union that they expected? Obviously, Great Britain answered that question a few years ago. Um, I think uh, over the next six months, we should watch and see if other countries begin to promote uh, conservative leaders. They start to move up in the polls. This could be a longer tail trend that uh, could be could spell the end or certainly a call for change in the European Union. Uh, the, the green energy agenda is one of the things that most has troubled these countries. They now realize, hey, we closed down our nuclear power plants. We got rid of coal. Now we don't have enough power. What's going on here? And I think that that's driving a lot of this uh, uh, boomerang reaction. And this whole, country. pardon my language, this whole crap about uh, <laughs> we don't want coal. Yeah. China is building. Uh, they're ramping up their. They're ramping up their coal operations. Uh, India, 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Japan, Korea, everybody. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, the United States has their hands tied behind their back because of this uh, culture of no coal. I mean, I, I believe in energy. We have oil. Why aren't we using it? Are they just ignorant, John? How come they don't understand that we have the highest standards right here? It's right underneath our feet. And why would we be begging our adversaries for, for energy and for oil and allowing China and India and all these other places to ramp up their coal production? I mean, we're on the same planet, right? That's the same environment, no? You know, there's something really fascinating that was done as an exercise at the end of the Trump administration. Rick Perry, former governor of Texas, uh, energy secretary at the time, he put together a carbon neutral program that would rival what the AOCs and the Democrats have wanted to do. But he did it by natural gas and nuclear power. And he showed we could get there with two things that actually work rather than all the investment we've made in solar and wind. After all the investment we made with solar and wind, we only have gained a couple of percentage of points from those things. Trillions of dollars investment, almost no return back to the uh, American taxpayer. Nuclear and coal, you can, uh, nuclear and natural gas, you can get the emissions down far further than Joe Biden and Barack Obama ever did in 10 years in trillions of dollars. But that doesn't get talked about. I think you're going to see that in the last few weeks, people started to say, you know, we got to go back to nuclear. We got to go back to natural gas. So maybe the cold, hard reality of what Europe is facing is waking up people to, we can do this. We can bring climate emissions down without having to destroy the economy. Nuclear and natural gas, I think are going to pick up in popularity in the next few months. Agreed. On the last note, uh, we have to upgrade our, our, uh, uh, our grid system. Uh, uh, Boston, Boston announced that the whole New England grid system uh, is in trouble, and yes. they want to buy more electric cars. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, we're not ready for it. Listen, it's a great idea, but uh, they have the cart before the horse. you got to build the That's infrastructure right. before you can roll out all these cars, and I think most Americans are starting to get wise that this is a, an illusion, and we have to go back and rewire this system and get it done right. We can get carbon emissions way down without killing the economy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John Solomon. Again, that's justthenews.com. That's justthenews.com. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. With us today is Charlie Gasparino, Fox News. And uh, Charlie, which way are we going? Well, I mean, one day doesn't mean uh, we're out of this yet. Uh, I mean, there were some nice positive headlines today, right? You had the Bank of England uh, intervening to support its currency. It's, you know, maybe going to raise rates. That shows some degree of uh, coordination uh, on monetary policy among central banks with our with ours, which is generally a good thing. Uh, you know, you had a lot of people think that this the budget, you know, that we're not going to have a government shutdown. That's kind of a lot of hot air. So, I mean, you got some positive headlines. You got Ken Griffin, the uh, big investor from Citadel in Chicago, now in Florida, uh, saying that the economy is still strong. Yeah, you put all that together and, you know, you get a 600-point rally after a bunch of declines. Uh, I still think that, you know, we're heading into, you know, lower lower stock prices, you know, uh, declining er- – squeezed earnings, and the Fed raising rates twice more, and it's not going to stop. And, you know, if you told me that the Fed was going to stop raising rates tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, this is the bottom. Let's go. Uh, but it's not, and it's going to slow down the economy. And it's just Well, like, the, Fed, uh, the Fed chairman in Chicago, what was his name, Evans? Yeah. The president, uh, right. the president of the Fed there. Uh, Evans said uh, last night... He says, well, maybe we're pushing too hard to raise the rates too fast. Yeah, but it's not his call. It's Powell's. And, 
you know, and I think the I think if the Fed turned around and didn't and just changed its monetary policy right now, it, it would be it would lose all credibility after just what Powell has said. So I think we're kind of locked into this for at least one more, probably two. And I think markets sell off, um, and then I think they take, and I think then the Fed reassesses and uh, sees how bad the economy is, and see if inflation comes down to its two percent goal. Well, uh, the real estate market is. Uh, how did they used to say it in Brooklyn? When we were growing up. They're taking the pipe. Oh, God. <laughs> I could mean a lot of things there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Charlie. Uh, I don't Trisha. know if I want to repeat. Is that, you know, is the FCC, are they listening to this broadcast? The KGB listens for sure. <laughs> Charlie, it's Richard Weinberg. Hey, I want some free uh, economic advice. How much money do I have to lose in my uh, my investment portfolio, my deferred comp, and and in my uh, in my real estate before uh, Powell is satisfied? Twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent. What is you know, it? I don't think he cares. Like how really? Much lose. Yeah, I mean, I wow. think what he's worried about is like. It, I mean, listen. The, the problem is that the markets have run up dramatically. The Fed is sitting there saying, "Okay, I get it." You know, pension funds. You know, you want them to be fully funded and all that. But inflation is is a tax on working class people. So, um, you know, there's going to have to be some leveling off here. Uh, I, I think you know, if you're smart and you're a smart guy, obviously, um, you know that if the Fed's saying it's going to raise rates a couple more times, you might as well go into a little cash. You probably did okay the last. The Five old years. expression in Brooklyn was, if, if <laughs> no more, no. <laughs> if two people told you you're drunk, you better lay down. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's okay. I was going to say, John. You know, <laughs> I disavow of any any stories about pipes. Okay, <laughs> just stay out of Brooklyn. Well, wait a minute. I grew up in Brooklyn. A wonderful I place. Say, I a wonderful place. Brooklyn. My wife's from Brooklyn. A wonderful place. From Brooklyn. the Bronx. He's from the Bronx. Right, Charlie? Your parents what are from the say Bronx. One out of, uh, I was ten. born in Westchester Square Hospital in the Bronx. There you go. I was born Baptized in Baptized in, um, in, uh, on Gun Hill Road Church right there on Gun Hill Road. I think it's one out of five, That's John. St. Anne's. No, no. No. What is it? It's... Um, Holy you know, Rosary? No, I can't remember what the church was. You know who... You know who, um, who uh, who donated a lot of money to that was Mario Gabelli, who's from that neighborhood. Because, as you know, Vanda Child's High School is down the block. It's, it's now closed. But uh, Macklin Conception is the, is the church. I'm sorry. Charlie, let me ask you a question. I see the president has just announced that he's going to go after price gougers. And he's warning the oil companies, the big oil companies, and the retail dealers, the gas station operators. like how many years, though? So. Yeah, I mean, what a... Does he understand how markets work? No. I mean, we have the same conversation. I mean, when he's not like, you know, talking about people who are dead, (laughs) but he hasn't seen them, though. But, you know, did you hear what the judge said, Charlie? He said it could have been worse. He could have actually seen him. Uh, Or seen her, Jackie. He might have. (laughs) It is sort of uh, scary that. You know, the when you think about this, and I know this is an economic show, large part, and you have me on this, but, you know, we were all talking about the choices for president right now. You know, Donald Trump is not, like, demented, obviously. You know, Biden is sounds like he's on the verge of it a lot of times. But Donald is so reckless and, and he says crazy stuff. And then the, the choice, if you don't want the, the recklessness, 
you you have to go for a guy that you know is is dribbling in his soup. I mean, it's just it's it's really pathetic. But Charlie, and no did you hear? The markets did, are all over the place. Did you hear John's interview with Trump yesterday? He sounded very measured, very calm, the opposite of reckless. Oh yeah, John. Listen, Trump is a smart guy. I mean, there is no doubt that he is he is not Biden. Okay, there is no doubt about this. I just think Donald's temper. Mm gets the best of him a lot of times and he lashes out and you know and you know he and, and you know he 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 does some reckless stuff i mean i actually like the guy to be honest with you he's a you know he's a decent guy if you know him one-on-one uh and he was a good president you know he had good policies so i gotta give him that you know oh, he did but, much better than uh, joe biden oh <laughs> of course i mean not even close but but i'm saying on every he, issue on I'm every saying, issue you know you know he digs himself in his own hole sometimes you know with some of this stuff I mean, I was just reading today that he wanted to fire Ivanka, Ivanka and Jared Kushner by tweet. And General Kelly said, don't do it. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, I, but it, when you have the political parties run by people like this, you know, that, you know, it does add a level of sort of volatility to markets. Trust me on this one. It's not like I mean markets trade generally generally most of the time on you know economic factors, fiscal policy, monetary policy, earnings, right? But there is this intangible that's always in the background, political stability. I don't think you could say that the US is completely political stable when you got a president like saying some of the stuff that, that Biden is saying. It's also not totally politically stable when the ex-president, you know, try to upturn, you know, turn over an election. You know, it's just, you know, it's just not a good, good look. Uh, tell I, us, uh, Charlie, let's go to Europe for a few minutes. Europe, I mean, 97 cents, I think, is the euro. They're in deep crap. Yep. Uh, and uh, the Italy just went uh, to the right. Uh, yep. Britain is to the right. Uh, the European community president, she's panicking why this is happening. Uh, don't they realize that uh, the people of Europe are suffering? You know, I have family in Italy, in southern Italy, just so you know, which is not not the rich areas, right? And I go back there. It's it's wonderful. These are working class people. They're great people. I have you know cousins and aunts, and uh, you know you could see that this was um, that this this move to to more populism was just. Just fomenting for so long. I mean, they created. I mean, these Italy and like a lot of these European countries created welfare states, and then had um, unfettered immigration. And you know, if there was one thing that you know, you, you know, it's just an economic maxim. You can't have open borders and a welfare state. I mean, Milton Friedman said that famously. If you have welfare states and open borders of poor people pouring in, feeding off your welfare state, it's unsustainable. And you know, Italy is facing that right now. All the all of all of Europe is facing that right now, and that's why you have a move towards populism. You kind of hope it doesn't it doesn't go into nationalism. You know, that's what kind you don't want because we know what nationalism did in Europe. You know, pre World War Two, uh, but. You know, there's no doubt that Italy and all these countries are becoming very populist. They're becoming, uh, I wouldn't say xenophobic. It's just, they, they just, you know, they, it's, it's hard to have kids there because you can't afford stuff because taxes are so high to pay for the welfare state as the population from outside keeps growing. 
They're in deep uh, Europe. Very deep tr- trouble. They're in deep trouble. The the people are suffering. Uh, they may be cold this winter. Uh, you know. And plus, Putin, Putin, plus, plus the ruling class, John, John, the ruling class in all these European countries, I mean, I know Italy just has a change, but for the most part, they're all progressive intellectuals. They're well, it doesn't PSG work. And stuff that doesn't work. They're, it doesn't I mean, it's work. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, well, what, what does Dr. Mihalo say? Sooner or later, you run out of other people's money. Well, that's a Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher that's right what now. she said about yeah. socialism, right? The problem with intellectuals is sometimes they're not smart, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They think they're, they're, smart. they're, they're, they're book smart, and uh, sometimes yeah. it doesn't work in the real world. Well, Charlie Gasparino, thank you for your input. And uh, time, John. I, I hope our four hundred one k plan comes back and soon. Stay and, out of uh, Brooklyn. I miss it. We'll catch up. We'll catch up with you again real soon. You got it, John. Thanks. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Right now on the line, we have retired DEA special agent in charge, Derek Maltz. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Special agent, we're seeing this rise in this fentanyl candy looking drug and kids are overdosing as young as 13. I see that the Narcan is in schools and all these efforts are have been ramped up to try to combat this crisis. Yet it doesn't seem to be making a dent. What, what are you hearing? Well, let me just give you the latest story that just happened in Hartford, Connecticut. The DEA task force were doing an undercover transaction and they seized 15,000 fake fentanyl pills and they were contained in Nerds and Skittles. Those are very, very popular candy as we're approaching Halloween. And to hear this story really is an eye opener. But the kids are dying because they're being deceived to death. They don't know what they're taking. They think they're taking legitimate prescription pills. They have access on their smartphones to order these dangerous, deadly pills, just like they will order a pizza or some type of food delivery to the house. So it's no longer going out to the streets to buy the drugs. You sit in your bedroom, you use your smartphone, and they deliver to the house. The problem is the cartels are taking advantage of the vulnerable population, and, of course, the weakness is at the border to get their contraband into America. Agent, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I'm very concerned about something you just said, which is that they're putting in fentanyl into uh, counterfeit prescription drugs. Could you talk about that, please? Yeah, well, it's not even counterfeit prescription drugs. It's not prescription drugs. It's fentanyl, and it looks like prescription uh-huh. drugs. So, for for example— the kids today, you know, a lot of kids take legitimate Adderall. And Adderall is a great drug if you buy it from CVS and Walgreens after your doctor prescribes it to you when your name is on the bottle. But when you buy it online, you're buying fake pills. They're not real Adderall. And kids need Adderall if they have attention deficit disorder. When they're in college or in high school, they're trying to read books. So unfortunately, they're being deceived and they're dying. They think they're getting Adderall. And the same thing goes with Xanax or Percocet or oxycodone. These kids are addicted to these pills, but there's a lot of first-time users. There's a lot of recreational users, and they don't know what they're getting. And unfortunately, the White House has been silent. We're not getting public you know, service announcements, no education. And now with the rainbow-colored pills and the candy 
and all of that, it's it's attracting a whole new class of people, which is our future generation. Again, we are speaking with Drug Enforcement Agency Special Agent in Charge, Derek Maltz. He's now retired. In addition to fentanyl, there's now new drugs on the horizon, the poisoning of America. There is things called like Trank and niatazine and i was reading about niatazine this drug is so okay we have fentanyl it's 50 times more powerful than heroin right and then this niatazine is what like 10 or 20 times more powerful than fentanyl and the person basically suffocates to death after one hit I'm, i'm glad you brought that up because this is something that's creeping up on america and unfortunately my opinion i can't prove it in court but based on my years of experience and instinct this is another phase of the Chinese attack on America. What's happening is this. There's a class of drugs called NPS, new psychoactive substances, nitazine, etanitazine, isonitazine, also known like a, as pyro on the street. It's synthetic opioids that are 10, 20, 30 times more powerful than fentanyl. It's made in laboratories in China, and they're selling it on the dark web. So what's happening now is people are getting those powdery substances and making the pills with those substances. So it's not just fentanyl coming from Mexico in the dirty, filthy labs across the border. It's now the Chinese once again selling these new substances that are killing our kids. So, yeah. And the Trank thing is another whole story. It's just really scary. Another drug. It's it's like an elephant or an animal tranquilizer. And it's destroying your, your, it's ripping apart your flesh on your skin. It's, it's killing instantly. It's in Michigan, Maryland, and several other states. But yeah, and then there's Udalone. Udalone is another one in Florida. They were reporting about this. It's a synthetic bath salt, also made in China, that's being sold on the streets and killing people at, you know, record levels in different states. But yeah, it's really, really just very disappointing that the total lack now, law enforcement is doing a good job. They're making huge seizures. There was just a million pills of fake fentanyl down in Phoenix. There was another million in New Mexico. There was a million down, a couple of million, three or four million. By the way, the DEA administrator just announced that in the last four months, the DEA, working with their partners, seized 10.2 million fake pills in America. Think about that for a second. 40% of these pills can kill, according to the lab analysis potentially can kill 40%. So if you see 10 million, then, you know, do the math, right? 4 million people could have been killed from these poisonous fake bills, pills coming in from Mexico. So we have a monumental national security issue. The White House is sleeping. They're not talking about it. They're misleading the public. This is not the old opioid crisis with the overprescribing of pills. We're way beyond that. We're into a whole new phase of mass poisoning, killing our future generation. Agent uh, Maltz, yesterday uh, we had uh, President Trump called into the show, and um, he said that— Wait, we have uh, the tape. You want to take a listen to it? Yeah, let's listen to the tape. Drug dealers kill 500 people during their lives. In other words, a drug dealer on average kills 500 people, not to talk about the destruction of families. Well, any comments on that? I mean, he felt that well, uh, drug dealers uh, maybe should get uh, either life imprisonment or a death sentence for killing 500 comments. people. President Trump wanted to declare the cartels as terrorists and rip them apart with the U.S. greatest capabilities and American patriots. But the bureaucrats in Washington convinced them 
several years ago that it would be too aggressive, that we have to work with Mexico. Well, Mexico is very corrupt. The officials in Mexico are corrupt, not the people. The high-level government officials are corrupt. So right now, this is exactly why the Families Against Fentanyl has actually started a movement to declare fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. There's over like 18, I think, attorney generals that have signed on to it. Bipartisan congressional members, Lauren Boebert, Tim Ryan, they've signed on to this thing because we want to destroy the chemical weapon production labs in Mexico. That's the only way we're going to slow this down. We can't just keep making these million pill seizures around the country because they are flooding. We're going to miss. We're going to miss a few. Water. We're going to miss a few. <laughs> More than a few. Yeah. And, well, thank you, uh, Agent. Uh, and uh, we're going to have you on again. And, and if you can get any of those families that want to uh, that want to speak to us and uh, listen to a million people, and uh, we got a million people listening. And uh, thank you for everything you do. And God save America. Thank you very much. You guys are doing a great job. Have a good day. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now we have on the line for us uh, Corrections, uh, what what commissioner? Commissioner of Corrections here in New York City, Luis Molina. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Commissioner Molina. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. What's going on? I mean, uh, I heard we have some updates. City Council had a hearing today. Yes, today we had our hearing um, about uh, an introduction bill on number 549, which is titled um, the banning of solitary confinement in the city's jail system. As you know, and as many in the public know, we do not practice solitary confinement here at the Department of Corrections. We have restrictive housing. And what that restrictive housing allows us to do is to remove individuals that have just committed a violent act of assault in many cases against another person in custody or against our staff and remove them from general population so that we can put them in restrictive housing so that we could better manage them and help them unlearn their response to issues of conflict with violence. Commissioner, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. We've talked about this before, but isn't it a fact that you can't manage this kind of violent population unless you have this tool? Yes, restrictive housing is a very important tool in order to make sure that our jails and prisons in this country are safe. And there is no jail system that I know in the country or that I'm aware of that does not have some form of restrictive housing in order to manage very violent detainees in their custody. Corrections Commissioner Molina, what is the difference between restrictive housing and, say, putting somebody in the hole? I think people watch a lot of movies and they think this person is in this dark little cage and he doesn't see sunlight. And then there's like this little slab of a a window and he's got his meal that comes in and he doesn't know what day or time it is. Talk to us about what actually goes on in restrictive housing. And is it humane? Because it does sound inhumane to put somebody in in a dark hole. I mean, we are talking. I know they they're potential criminals, right? They're guilty. They're innocent until proven guilty. And at the end of the day, they're human beings. So we, we don't want to treat anybody inhumanely. So can you explain to us what exactly is restrictive housing? Yeah, absolutely. So what you're describing is solitary confinement where someone is locked in 23 hours a day with little to no human contact and maybe they come out for an hour. Mm -hmm. That does not exist in the Department of Corrections. Our restrictive housing has two levels and in each of those levels, persons um, are allowed to come out of their cell for seven hours a day um, at their uh, at their choice if they want to come out. 
And during that seven hours, they're engaged in five hours of programming, which we have to gain their buy-in for them to participate in. They have access to ministerial services, medical and mental health services. They can still maintain contact with family and loved ones um, and, and, and other amenities and, and privileges that um, are limited in what is in general population. But the key thing is, is that we're removing someone who has just committed a very violent act and we're putting them in restrictive housing, but managing them in a very humane way so that we can, we can discontinue their responding to issues of conflict with physical violence. Well, uh, do you think that's enough to de- de- uh, deter? De- you know, deter. De- deter them but they want to get rid of that altogether. Uh, they want to get rid of that too, right? Well, City Council wants to get rid of even restrictive judge, housing. Judge, you've been in criminal, uh, criminal law all your life. I mean, uh, I've been in criminal law all my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us, sir, what do you think? The short, the short answer is, is another example of the City Council imposing rules and laws where they do not understand the impact Are they in real stupid life. Or what is the problem? They're ideological. They're driven by ideology, and they don't do not talk to the experts like the commissioner and the people in law enforcement. They simply do not understand, and they choose to disregard the facts. And this is very dangerous. Commissioner Molina, what do they think that you should do instead? If a if a person attacks a, a guard or does something egregious, do they just have want to have a talk with him? I mean, give him a little like tap on the wrist or something. I mean, what do they expect you know to be done to people to some give them some sort of punitive uh, treatment, you know, some some kind of repercussions for their actions. Sure. So the bill, as it's currently drafted, would actually prevent us from removing an individual beyond about four hours after they've committed a violent act. And after that four hours, um, they would want the person to go through a hearing process to determine if should, they should be put in any type of restrictive housing. Now, currently, we do that now. But what we're able to do is we're able to put individuals in what I described as pre-hearing detention. And within about five days, they have a hearing to determine their guilt of innocence regarding the violent assault that they participated in against another person in custody or a staff member. So that happens, but that can't happen immediately under their under their bill. In addition to that, they would like those in, that are in this designated restrictive housing to have up to 14 hours of out of cell time. And 14 hours of out of cell time is currently what we give our general population detainees that are corresponding and complying with the rules that govern the management of facilities. There would literally be no differences in restrictive housing and general population. And because they don't want us to use any other type of disciplinary sanctions, if they don't want to comply and only use positive incentives, we would actually have to provide amenities and privileges within restrictive housing that are even greater than what's provided in general population. So then what's the point? You're uh, incentivizing Commissioner, Commissioner uh, Luis Molina, thank you f- uh, very much for your input. Uh, let me tell you something. The city council needs mentoring on their own. And, uh, uh, Did you say mentoring it, or mental help? Well, <laughs> they need something. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, or let, let's hope that common sense prevails and... And uh, keep fighting for what's right, uh, Commissioner. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now on the line with us, our resident medical genius, Dr. Peter Mikolos. Dr. Mikolos, before we get to your subject, I was bringing up to the judge and John before about the vitamin 
I know we're going to talk more about this later, but Elysium, can you tell us about that, that it's a vitamin to help prevent dementia? Well, it's uh, the company is Elysium. The vitamin is matter, and it's basically a combination of uh, various uh, ingredients that have been shown to, uh, in a study done by Oxford University, when they looked at brain scans, that some of the people uh, who had uh, cognitive decline were improved, and it basically is a cocktail of vitamin B6 and folate and B12 and omega-3 uh, lysine complex and some bilberry extract and uh, and Oxford for it to publish this data, it was uh, pretty real and pretty impressive that they showed some improvement because what happens with uh, cognitive decline in Alzheimer's, there's a buildup of these waste products called amyloid buildup and uh, those things start affecting the communication system of your brain. It's like somebody taking a scissor and cutting all the little wires in your computer and it disrupts the uh, electrical activity in the brain and the communication. And this weekend, Sunday show, we're going to talk about some exciting new drugs that are coming out that help with stopping and blocking these misfolded amyloid proteins that are affecting people with Alzheimer's. Are there any uh, side uh, effects to this uh, vitamin and do you need uh, a prescription? No, you get it over the over the counter and you, people buy it mail order. It's just, you know, a lot of this stuff is knowing about it and keeping up to date with the literature. But you have to Any side effects, Peter? Not any known side effects. Would you take it? You're allergic to some uh, I actually take one three times a week just to cover my bases because the literature was pretty uh, impressive on what it uh, does. But obviously check with your doctor and it's called Matter by Lithium and check with your doctor. And uh, again, a lot of the things are in vitamins that we already have, but they've been able to combine it. And just like, for example, the I vitamin called ARIDS2 formula, they did a study and they showed that zinc, lutein, they found that people with macular degeneration and their retinas had lower zinc and copper. So they came out with a cocktail vitamin called the ARIDS-2 formula. One of them is called Occuvite. And they showed that not only did it slow down macular degeneration, but some people actually got better. And that's why when you go see your uh, retina specialist or your eye doctor, especially if you have lighter skin and lighter eyes, you're higher risk for things like macular degeneration. So people used to laugh at vitamins, but now we know that they do play a role and uh, it is recommended by a specialist. So these vitamins do exist that may help reduce cognitive decline. And again, it's pretty impressive when you see a scan that looks better after taking these vitamin cocktails or you see a retina that improves with dry macular degeneration when taking these uh, ARIDS-2 formula complexes. So there are things, but again, you have to know about it. The problem is if you can't get patents and intellectual property rights on vitamins, like for example, lysine works great when you have a cold sore and abscess ulcer in your mouth, but nobody can get a patent on it, so nobody's going to go push it or market it or advertise it because you can't really make money on it when you don't have a patent on it. So that's why you have to listen to WABC to find out about what's happening in the latest research and the peer-reviewed literature and then discuss it with your own personal physician and see if it's right for you. And now about this superbug. It's called Mycoplasma genitalium. Right. Mycoplasma genitalium, as we talked about on WABC two weeks ago, the number of uh, cases of sexually transmitted diseases is the <laughs> highest it's been since 1991, and even uh, AIDS is back big time. HIV is up 16% from last year. Part of the problem is that people during COVID were not going for any kind of testing and screening for HIV, chlamydia, syphilis, and also this uh, lack of bail reform. People used to get arrested, come into the prison system, uh, and uh, got evaluated in medical treatment. Now they're just 
getting thrown back out on the street very uncompassionately. So uh, that's also helping spread a lot of uh, diseases that nobody likes to talk about. And it's a public health uh, matter, not just a safety issue. Uh, and this uh, bacteria, it's newly discovered, uh, you know, the last couple of years, but we're finding out that it's basically turning into a superbug, according to the British Association of Sexual Health. And it's resistant to a lot of antibiotics, making it difficult to treat. And people present with uh, bleeding, swelling. It causes infertility, miscarriages, pelvic inflammatory disease. Sometimes it presents with no symptoms. That's the problem. And it can stay in people for a long time. And one person might have multiple partners and spread it to different people. You can end up with watery discharge, burning on urination, and pain during uh, sexual activity. And uh, the scarring can lead to infertility. And it also can be transmitted to the fetus, which is pretty nasty. There are some antibiotics that exist right now that they are treating it with ofloxacillin and Levaquin, but again, some of the cases are resistant, which is a concern. And uh, there is a test called the Aptima test, but it's not readily available yet, and that's something that the government and health agencies need to uh, get out there, this new uh, Aptima Doctor? test. Doctor? It's, yes. Is this a new bacteria, or we just, or has it been around? And we just discovered it. Uh, it's now been discovered about five years. It's just that it's been, uh, it's a resurgence right now. It's it's peaking and it's a resistant form. So it's there, but it's a newer resistant form. Just like we have certain infections right now, but there are newer resistant forms. Just like in the old days, you used to give drops for conjunctivitis to go away, but we're seeing a lot of new resistant superbugs because they're learning how to fight against antibiotics and we're not spending the money on the new generation of antibiotics. We're spending money on, you know, sleeping pills and all these other different types of pills that are uh, out there. But because not a lot of people use antibiotics every day, we're not pouring the money into it. And that's why I worry about these talks about putting price controls on medicines that will stop the uh, capital going into new research and development. And that's what we need, new generation of antibiotics and other treatments. And we talked about the other day on WABC that bacteriophages are a type of virus that kill bacteria. And now they're learning how to harness maybe a new generation of friendly viruses that will go and kill bad bacteria. And there's a lot of research being done on that and some of the great institutions in New York, like Columbia University and other places. So that's what we need. Quick question. Quick question. Probiotics. Should we take them? Uh, probiotics are can be very important, but you can do testing. You know, you can do things like the uh, ombre test or the thorn test, and you can actually test your stool and see if you have a problem or an imbalance in the microbiome in your intestine, and then they can actually tell you now uh, through your internist, your doctor, your integrative medicine doctor, if you have a deficiency in certain types of bacteria inside your gut health, which they've shown, for example, our ruteri was found more commonly in people. It was lower in people with anxiety and depression, and they found that even the microbiome and the bacteria in your gut can improve your mental health. So yes, you should first get testing, talk to your doctor, find out what's in your gut microbiome, and then take the appropriate uh, probiotic, not just anything randomly. So bottom line, you know, if you're not feeling good about something, it's got to be a chemical imbalance in your body or something. It could be. When in doubt, check it out. That's... Mm-hmm. Get checked out. You know, you 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 make sense there, and uh, and try to reverse the problem naturally, maybe with vitamins or diet or something like that, versus right. then just popping some random pill, you know, to yeah. mask the symptoms. And I'm going to end this with a joke, as I did last time. What do you call VD of the nose? Sniffleless, because we need a laugh after <laughs> hearing all this.
We need a laugh. Uh, Sniffleless. We need a good laugh and a stiff cup of coffee, as John Dr. always tells us. <laughs> Dr. Peter, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. Thank God, God bless. the Cats Roundtable. Thank you. God bless America, and we need God's blessing definitely. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.